All right. This last great day, we're going to be talking about clean versus unclean. And what makes one unclean? You know, I do believe that God is calling all of us at that yes room, all of us that cause Yahshua Adonai, our Savior. I do believe he's calling us to take it to the next level. Hallelujah. You know, we can only do that if we <laughs> adhere to him. You know, if we embark upon a closer walk with Elohim. Amen. You know, a lot of folks pray for a closer walk, but in order to have a closer walk, you have to draw near to Elohim. And if you do, he would draw near to you. And that's how that's how you have a closer walk with him. And it begins with keeping the tabernacles clean. You know, if you are to be a tabernacle, a dwelling place of the most high, then you, you also need to know that he's not going to dwell in an unclean place. And if you don't understand what causes you need to become unclean, then you're also not going to know what causes him to walk away from you, to leave you, to not utilize you as his dwelling place. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. You know, so it's been a while since we've looked at some of these things. So I figured it was uh, about time that we did, that we consider what are some of the things that will cause us to become unclean in God's sight. It doesn't matter if it, if we don't feel like we're unclean. It doesn't matter if we feel like we strain. You know, what matters is what the word says. Because at the end of the day, Yahushua is our savior. He is the word of Elohim. And if he saves, if he saves us, then that means the word saves us because that's what he is. Even when he comes back, it says he's going to be wearing a sash that says the word of Elohim. So if we're truly going to be saved by Yahshua, we're going to be saved by the word. But if you don't know the word, how can it save you? Say lie. So we're going to talk about keeping your tabernacles clean. You know, consider Leviticus 15, 31. It says you must separate the Israelites from their uncleanness so that they don't die on account of it. Don't you see that your uncleanness can cause you to die in the eyes of Yah? Because if he leaves you, you're dead because he's our source of life. Right. Amen? Amen. You know, so he goes on to say, by making my dwelling unclean. So you must separate the Israelites from their uncleanness so that they don't die on account of it. By making my dwelling unclean, which is in their midst. We supposed to have a dwelling place of Elohim within our midst. There is a tabernacle within the midst of us, a temporary dwelling place for the Most High El. If we keep it clean. If not, he's going to turn and he's going to walk away from us. That's simple. Leviticus 17 10 says, And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or the strangers that sojourn among you, that eat of any manner of blood, I will even set my face against that soul that eat of blood and will cut him off from among his people. Yeah, I know a lot of people, they just like to take their meat and eat it. They don't know if the blood has been drained out or not. Do they take any extra precautions to make certain it's up? No. 
They just cook it up and eat it. Considering this verse, is that wise to do? No. I mean, but that's only a, you looking for the word to save you. Now, if you're not, you do what you want. You know, I'm just telling you what the word says. Word says if you just ingest that blood, it'll cause them to cut you off. Consider Leviticus 13, 1 through 3. It says, And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe and Aaron, saying, When a man have um, when a man shall have in the skin of his flesh arising a scab or a bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest or unto one of his sons the priest. And this word scab is sepakath, number 5597, it means the mange as making the hair fall off. And verse 3 says, And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white and the plague in the sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look up, look on him and pronounce him unclean. So I have a couple examples of folks with leprosy, you know, um, which would be considered unclean. You know, and they were to be separated from the camp. They could not dwell in the camp. Thus, they made the whole camp. Amen. You know, so that's something to keep in mind. Here's some other examples. You know, Now, verses 7 and 8 says, But if the scab spread much abroad in the skin, after that he has seen the, of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. And if the priest see that, behold, the scab spread up in the skin, and then the priest shall pronounce him unclean, it is leprosy. So there's different types of leprosy. You know, and so this is what it's talking about, like a scab, it starts off and then it gets, it gets worse and then worse. He's pronouncing unclean. They're unclean. And if you're unclean, you shouldn't come into the temple. You shouldn't come into the tabernacle. You shouldn't really be touching nobody else because you caused them to become unclean. Verses 9 through 11. When the plague of leprosy is in a man, then he shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall see him. And behold, if the rising be white in the skin, and it have turned the hair white, and there be a quick raw flesh in the rising. And this word quick is uh, mikya, which speaks to a preservation of life. It is an old leprosy in the skin of his flesh, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not uh, and shall sh not shut shut him up, for he is unclean. And so that's a picture of what's being described there. You know, our old leprosy. Yes, they're unclean. Verses 12 and 13. And if a leprosy break out abroad in the skin, and the leprosy cover all the skin of him that have the plague from his head even to his foot, wheresoever the priest looketh, 
the priest shall consider and behold if the leprosy have covered all his flesh, he shall pronounce him clean that have the plague. And if um, it is all turned white, he is clean. You know, so if they're like this and they just have some spots, like you see the spots on his fingers, you know, he was unclean. Right. When he got a little older, you can see spots around his face, around his afro. You know, again, he was unclean. But then he turned all white. <laughs> now he was clean. Perfect example. <laughs> Nevertheless, he's all white, so he's, 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 he's clean, you know. Verses um, 35 and 36 of Leviticus 13 says, But if the scar spread much of the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall look on him, and behold, if the scar be spread in the skin, and the priest shall not um, seek for yellow hair, he is unclean. Yeah, you see something like that? Yep, they pretty much unclean. Yep. Now, verses 47 through 52 says the garment also, so even garments can be unclean. The garment also um, that the plague of leprosy is in, whether it be woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it be of the warp or the wolf, um, linen or of woolen, whether it be a skin or in anything made of skin. And if the plague be greenish or reddish in the garment or in the skin, either in the warp or in the wolf, or in any anything of, the, of skin, it is a plague of leprosy, and all shall be showed unto the priest. And the priest shall look upon the plague and shut it up. Um, it hath the plague, and shut up it that have the plague seven days, and he shall look on the plague on the seventh day if the plague be spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the wolf, or in the skin, or in any work that is made of skin. The plague is a fretting leprosy. It is unclean. He shall therefore burn that garment, whether warp or roof or woolen or linen or anything of skin wherein the plague is, for it is a fretting leprosy. It shall be burnt in the fire. And I know some of you are wondering, what is a warp or a, a, a wolf? And that's speaking of the length of the whiff. So, yeah, that's speaking of the length uh, or the will. And here's some examples. So we see that the suit and the shoes, you know, they have a leprosy in them. Likewise, with the shoes the guy's holding. So that is unclean. Also, we see in the skin, you know, leather is made from skin. And so we see with the leather boot versus the clean leather boot. Verses 33 through 37, and Yahuwah spake unto Moshe and Aaron, saying, when you come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you for possession, and I put the plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession, and he that owneth the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, it seemeth to me there, there, there is, as it were, a plague in the house. And the priest shall command that the imp that they empty the house before the priest go into it to see the plague, that all that is in the house be not made unclean. 
And afterward, the priest shall go in and see the house. And he shall look and the plague, look on the plague and behold, if the plague be in the walls of the house with hollow strakes, greenish or reddish, which in sight are lower than the wall, then it's leprosy. Like, you know, we have an example there. You know, and also verses 38 through 40, it says, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again the seventh day and shall look. And behold, if the plague be spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which the plague is. And they shall cast them into an unclean place without the city. So if it's in the stones, you have to remove the stones, you know, and you have to replace them, you know, such as the uh, example that we have, have there. Verses 41 and 42, and he shall cause the house to be scraped within roundabout, and they shall pour out the dust, they shall scrape off without the city into an unclean place, and they shall take other stones and put them in the place of the stones, and he shall take other mortar and other plasters um, and plaster the house. And so that's what they that's what they would do. They're supposed to um, take it and redo it. And the house is made clean again. Verses 43 and 44. If the plague come again and break out in the house, after that he have taken away the stones, and after he have scraped the house, and after it is plastered, then the priest shall come and look, and behold, if the plague is spread in the house, it is a fretting leprosy, and the house is unclean. So if he come back and it look like that, then yeah, it's a fretting leprosy, and you have to pretty much get rid of the house. You know, verse 45 says, and he shall break down the house, the stones of it, and the timber thereof, and all the mortar of the house, and he shall carry them forth out of the city into an unclean place. And so here it is. They had to break the house down and then carrying it off into an unclean place. 46 and 47, moreover, he that go up into the house all while that it is shut up shall be unclean until the evening. And he that lieth in the house shall wash his clothes and, be, and he that eateth in the house shall wash his clothes. You know, so here it is. We just done learned that a person can be leprous. They, they can be unclean, but garments can be leprous. It can be unclean. The house can be leprous. It can be unclean. And all these things can, can likewise make you unclean. You know, so you need to be cognizant of these things. You know, that's we're walking around unclean and unknowingly. Leviticus 15, 1 through 3. And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe and Aaron, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When any man have a running issue out of his flesh because of his issue, he is unclean. And this shall be his uncleanness in, the, in his issue, whether his flesh run with his issue or his flesh be stopped from his issue. It is his uncleanness. You know, so... You got to have an issue, you know, that he is made unclean. Yes, he is Mr. Unclean. Also, a woman during her menstrual cycle is unclean. And Leviticus 20, 18 tells us, and if a man shall lie with a woman 
having her sickness, speaking of her menstrual cycle, and shall uncover her nakedness. He hath discovered her fountain, and she hath uncovered the fountain of her blood, and both of them shall be cut off from among it, among their people. This was strictly forbidden. You know, so if a woman is on her cycle, she is not to have relations with her husband. And if so, both of them are to be cut off from Yah's people. Leviticus 15, 16 through 18, of any man's seed of copulation go out from him, then he shall wash all his flesh in water and be unclean until the evening. And every garment and every skin whereon is the seed of copulation shall he shall be washed with water and be unclean until the evening. And the woman also with whom man shall lie with seed this uh, lie with seed of copulation they both shall bathe themselves in water and be unclean until the evening you know so for all our married couples you know yes you know afterwards must bathe and be unclean until the evening amen okay and also for women when they give birth they also are made unclean. They also are made un unclean. And so we need to be cognizant of that as well because, you know, they can cause everybody else to become unclean. And when a woman is on her cycle, she's unclean for seven days. You know, she's, she has to be separated for seven days. She does not have to leave her home, but she has to be separated you know, from everyone for seven days. If anyone touches her, they are made unclean. Everything that she touches during that time is also unclean. You know, so um, at the end of the uh, seven days, everything needs to be washed, you know, and and made clean again. Amen? Amen. You know, and so there's some special rules when a woman gives birth. And they're found in Leviticus 12. You know, starting with verse one, it says, And Yahuwah spake unto Moshe, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man child, then she shall be unclean seven days according to the days of the separation. For her infirmity shall she be made, shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day, the flesh of her um, of his foreskin shall be circumcised. And she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hollow thing or come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. But if she bear a may child, then she shall be unclean two weeks as in her separation. And she shall continue in the blood of her purifying three score and six days. And when the days of her purifying are purified for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest who shall offer it before Yahuwah and make atonement for her. And she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that have born a male or a female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, she shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons and offer one for a burnt offering and one for a sin offering. And the priest, uh, the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. Okay, so, you know, if a woman has a child, 
she is made unclean. If it's a male child, she's made unclean for seven days. She's to be separated for seven days, just as she was with her, with her menstrual cycle for seven days. You know, now those are the days of her separation. But if you would, um, if you pay close attention to what was said or what's being said here, there are days of separation and there are days of purification. The days of separation, she is to be separated from any and everyone and every any and everyone that touches her and everything that she touches become unclean during that time of separation yet during the 33 days of purification she don't have to be separated from everyone you know our days of separation is over so she don't have to be separated from everyone but she's not to touch any hollow thing or come into the sanctuary you know so she doesn't have to uh, be separated. She can go back amongst her family and back amongst the people of Elohim, but she can't um, touch any hollow thing or come into this um, Yah's sanctuary. You know, so, um, and if um, she bears a maid child, you know, or a female child, then the time is doubled. You know, and as to why it's doubled, I don't know. You got to ask Yah. That's just what he said. You know, but there you have, it. you know, so this is um, the time when she'll be made unclean and she will cause everybody else to be unclean during the days of her separation, during the days of her purification. You know, she's just not to touch any hollow thing or come into the sanctuary, but she can't come amongst y'all's people and amongst her family. Leviticus 18.6, none of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to uncover their nakedness. I am Yahuwah. Now, throughout the chapter of Leviticus 18, you have all these forbidden sexual relations, you know, that you're not supposed to enter into. Amen. You know, and so, you know, uh, such as, you know, getting with your parents or your aunts, your uncles, so on and so forth, you know, which is uh, pretty common knowledge in our day and time. Now, the next, uh, the next slide, you know, says, happy birthday. You know, now, <laughs> in Leviticus 18.3, it says, after the doings of the land of Mitzrayim, where ye dwelt, shall ye not do. After the doings of the land of Mitzrayim, where ye dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Now, in Genesis 40, verse 20, it says, And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday. Who is Pharaoh? The king of Egypt, right? So we're talking about Mizraim, right? All right. So now the command was, after the doings of the land of Mizraim, we shouldn't do. All right. So the first time the word birthday is mentioned is in Genesis 40, verse 20. And it says, it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. Now, what would we call that now today? A birthday party, absolutely. And it says, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler 
of the chief baker among um, um, and the chief of uh, the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again, and he gave a cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted. Yet he did not remember him, but forgot him. You know. Now we can clearly see the origin of birthday celebrations. It is something that was clearly practiced in Mizraim, the land in which Yah brought Israel out of. I also had the passage, you know, um, in the Brit Kadashah concerning King Herod, you know, because this is when they were in the land of Canaan, you know, and King Herod also had a birthday party, you know, and someone, um, he, he made a, uh, his, his stepdaughter dance so wonderful for him, you know, he, he said, hey, you know, I give you anything you want up to half of my kingdom on my birthday. And she asked for John the Baptist's head on the manger. You know, well, on the, um, on the platter. And so he had to keep his word. Now, I thought it was uncanny that both times that scripture mentions birthday, people lost their heads. Mm -hmm. yeah. Say lie. You know, but it clearly says don't do like they did in Egypt. So why we keep doing like they did in Egypt? Because we want to do what we want to do. Heck with what y'all say, right? Word don't save us. It surely won't. Say lie. Leviticus 18.3 says, after the doings of the land of Mizraim, where you dwelt, shall ye not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, ye shall not do. And then it says, neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. So we're not also not to walk in their ordinances. Not only are we not to do what they did, keep their practices, we're also not to walk in their ordinances. What does it mean by ordinances? Well, this word ordinances is kukah, number 2708, and it speaks to a statute, i.e. a written law passed by, legis by a legislative body. Okay. Now, if you can see the picture that's uh, beneath there, it's from CNN. And it speaks to same-sex marriages and how they've been legalized in the United States. This was a written law passed by a legislative body. Now, those who are growing up in our time today, this is legal for them to do. But it's not lawful in accordance to what Yahuwah Elohim said to do. So are we going to adhere to the word of Elohim or are we going to adhere to the ordinances of men? See, don't get me, don't get me wrong. I know some people may be thinking like, you know, Pastor Obadiah, you, you, you're teaching us to, you know, not to obey the law of the land. It's not that I'm teaching you not to obey the law of the land. I'm teaching you to obey the law of Elohim. Right. I don't really care what you do with the law of the land. I don't really give a lamb. <laughs> but my job is to make certain you know what the law of Elohim is so that you might have an opportunity to do it. As long as you had an opportunity, I've done my job. 
It's not my job to compel anyone to do anything. Y'all told me to teach y'all. So teach is what I do. I'm not your judge. I'm not your jury. The word gonna do all that. We all gonna have to go before him at one time. You know, one thing about you guys though, you won't be able to say you didn't know. Because if, you, if you're able to say that, then that means I didn't do something right. And I'm doing my job. I don't know. Y'all do what y'all want with the information, but I'm going to do my job. Because I don't want his hand upside my head. Right. Leviticus 18.22 says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. How dare this country make a law against Yah's Torah against his laws. But they say it's okay. Some people roll with that. Not I. Also, Yah is against bestiality. You get some weird things come out of bestiality. Sort of like that picture on there. You know, now, I want you to know that bestiality is still legal in some states in America. So that make it okay, right? Because man said you can do it. It's legal. Not according to Yah. If Yahshua really your savior, then you'll listen to his word. Deuteronomy 22.5 says, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, and neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto Yahuwah thy Elohim. And so what we see here is a couple transvestites, cross-dressers, faggots, okay. queers, Fairies, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to confuse people, mentally ill, you know, whatever you want to call them, you know, and they did serious. You know, y'all says this is an abomination, you know, and we look at this and it look absurd, but when we look at it like this, we think it's funny. There's right. nothing funny about a seven foot transvestite. It's still an abomination. I don't care if he, if he made a billion dollars off of doing it. It's still an abomination. He's still a seven foot abomination. Is that the, the rock? Dressed up like a, with a dress? I don't know. I guess the other girl is famous, but I don't know her. But they're dressed alike. Can you see that? That's Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus, whoever Cyrus is, her and Rock is, is dressed alike. You know, that's an abomination. People was telling jokes way before they started wearing other people's clothes. And it was just as funny. You don't got to put on a dress to be funny. 
There's nothing funny about that. That's abominable. So saith Yahuwah. And many of our favorite comedians, they all do the same thing. We got Kevin Hart. We got Chris Tucker. We got Martin Lawrence. We got Eddie Murphy. We got, um, uh, I forgot to do the name. Jamie Foxx. Anything for a dollar, right? Those that make that, those that make that buck, right? It's funny. It's jokes. It's just, it's just, we just having fun. No, you're being an abomination. And you're causing everybody you run into and everybody that shake your hand and everybody that, that watch your movies, you know, you watch, they're watching abominable things. Yah is not pleased with this. He's not laughing. There's not no joking matters. Why they got to find the things that go against Yah's word to make fun? Here's another thing that will cause you to become unclean. You know, this is, uh, for those who can't see the picture, it's, it's a funeral. Dead bodies will cause you to become unclean. If you touch a dead body, if you're in the same room as a dead body, if you touch someone who touched a dead body, you know, all these things will cause you to become unclean. Numbers 19, 13 through 16 says, whosoever toucheth the dead body of any man that is dead and purifieth not himself to follow the tabernacle of Yahuwah. And that soul shall be cut off from Israel because the water of separation is not sprinkled upon him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanness, his uncleanness is yet upon him. This is the law when a man dieth in a tent, all that come into the tent and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which have no covering bound upon it is unclean. And whosoever toucheth one that is slain by the sword, by the sword in the open fields, or a dead body, or a bone of a man, or a grave, shall be unclean seven days. The biggest 21, 1 through 4, the Yahuwah said unto Moshe, speaking to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and saying to them, there shall none be defiled for the dead among his people, but for his kin that is near him, that is his mother, for his father, for his son, and for his daughter, and for his brother, and for his sister, a virgin that is nigh unto him, which hath no husband. For her he may be defiled, but he shall not defile himself, being a chief man among his people, to profane himself. So, you know, the priest could only cause themselves to be unclean, you know, um, with a dead body if it was a close relative. You know, uh, and then we have verses 5 through 6, it says, they shall not make baldness upon their head, neither shall they sh shave off the corner of their beard, nor make cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy unto their Elohim and not profane the name of their Elohim for the offerings of Yahuwah made by fire and the bread of their Elohim they do offer, therefore they shall be holy. You know, now, when it came to the high priest, he couldn't even make himself unclean for his mother or father. I mean, except for his mother or father, I believe. Um, don't call me on that. It may not even be for his mother or father. I got to double check that. 
verses 1 and 2, Leviticus 21, and Yahuwah said unto Moshe, speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, there shall none be defiled for the dead among his people, um, but for his kin that is near him, that is his mother, and for his father, and for his son, and for his daughter, and for his brother. Uh, that's supposed to have been another verse, I think. Yeah, that um, that's supposed to be the verse that speaks about not touching any creeping thing. If you touch any uh, the 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 carcass or any creeping thing, you know, uh, insect, you know, you also made them clean. You know, so, and then we have the altar of Elohim, the altar of Yahuwah. We've been talking about the altar during this uh, Feast of Tabernacles as well, so I figured it'd be a great place to wrap it up with. Um, let's consider the tithes and offerings. Leviticus 17, 3 through 9. It says, What man soever there be in the house of Israel that killeth an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp, or that killeth it out of the camp, and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer an offering unto Yahuwah. Therefore, the tabernacle of Yahuwah, um, before the tabernacle of Yahuwah, blood shall be imputed up unto that man, and he shall, he have shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from his people. To the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices, which they offer in the open field, even that they may bring unto them, unto Yahuwah, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, unto the priests, and offer them for peace offerings unto Yahuwah. And the priest shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar of Yahuwah at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and burn the fat for a sweet savor unto Yahuwah. And they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils, after whom they have gone a horn. This shall be a statue forever unto them throughout their generations. And thou shalt say unto them, Whatsoever there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, that offer of a burnt offering or sacrifice, and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer it unto Yahuwah. Even that man shall be cut off from among his people. Now, essentially, what this is saying is that if anyone make an offering in the camp or outside of the camp, you know, and bring it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to, um, to an offer, offering unto Yahuwah uh, before the tabernacle of Yahuwah, then it's not even, even going to be accepted. You know, and this is very important because, you know, a lot of people like to give their offerings over here and over there and, and you know, and they think they're doing something great, you know, but you have to understand the altar of Elohim. The altar of Elohim was established so that those who had excess and wanted to show gratitude to, to Yahuwah Elohim for that excess, they will come and they will bring offerings and put it upon his altar. Now, if you recall, you know, we spoke about the altar representing, you know, the, uh, the ecclesia or the church, you know, who are to then take those offerings and they are to share with those who are in need that come to the altar because they have a need. And so they're to take up those excesses and give to those who have a need. You know, and they also lived off of them because they didn't receive an inheritance. You know, but it was for the widows, the orphans, 
um, in uh, this, this, the widow's orphans, I'm missing one. The poor. Yeah, it was, the, it was for the poor, the widows, and the orphans, you know. And so this is Yah's altar. This is the way it was set up. It was for those who have a need that they'll be able to come and receive of the goodness of Elohim. And for those whom Yah has given the excess for them to be able to come and show gratitude to Elohim. And then it was for his, his, his ministers to take and orchestrate those, those offerings and distribute them as, as needed. And in doing so, you won't make a mistake of giving sacrifices unto devils. You know, as it speaks about in verse seven, and they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils, you know, which they offer in the open field, you know, away from Yah's, away from his altar, away from his tabernacle, you know, and some folks, you know, they seem to think that everybody is Yah's children, you know, but scripture makes a distinction. He makes, it, it makes a distinction between the children of, of the kingdom and the children of the wicked. This is what the parable of the wheat and the tares is all about. There's children of the kingdom and there's children of the wicked. And when Yah says love your enemies, you have two types of enemies. You have enemies of the kingdom and you have enemies of the world. Yah wants you to love the enemies of the kingdom, but he wants you to hate the enemies of the world because he hates the enemies of the world. You know, but a lot of people don't understand this, you know, and they just have a big heart and they just want to help everybody, you know, but you, but you don't do that unless you find yourself sacrificing unto devils because the children of the wicked one are also called the children of Satan, the children of the devil. And you can find yourself assisting them. You know, some people think that, you know, grace and mercy is always you know, in order. No, but sometimes people are suffering because Yah done caused them to suffer. Because Yah done appointed them unto them. And like the way I like to, uh, I like to give an analogy of, you know, you know if your, your parents are whooping one of your siblings and you jump in front of the belt, what's going to happen? You're going to catch some licks. And people catch licks all the time and never equated to being, maybe I shouldn't have helped that person. That's right. You know, now, of course, I'm going to give you an example in scripture of what I'm talking about. Let's go to 1 Kings. We'll go to 1 Kings chapter 20. Now, this is King Ahab. We're going to read verses 28 through 32. It says, and there came a man of Elohim and spake unto the king of Israel. Well, let me give you a little backdrop to the story. You know, um, Ahab was the king of Israel during this time, and he had a, an arch enemy, um, the king of Syria, called Abinadad. You know, and so Abinadad had a huge army. The Israelites just had a little, little, little speck of people in comparison. You know, and so they went and fought them once, and, and, and the Israelites whooped on them. And then they decided, well, we're going to go back for some more. Because they thought that Yah was only one type of ill. 
I don't want to spoil it for you, so we'll read verse 28. It says, And there came a man of Elohim and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith Yahuwah, because the Syrians have said Yahuwah is Elohim of the hills, but is not Elohim of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am Yahuwah. And they pitched one over against the other seven days, and so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined, and the children of Israel slew the Syrians, a hundred thousand footmen in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek, into the city, where a wall fell upon twenty and seven thousand of the men that were left. And Benadad fled and came into the city, into an inner chamber. And his servant said unto him, Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes upon our heads and go out to the king of Israel. Peradventure, he will save thy life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads and came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant Benadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, speaking of King Ahab, he said, is he yet alive? He is my brother. Really? This guy just got finished trying to kill me. He is my brother. And so he accepted him, brought him up, put him on his chariot, rode off into the sunset with him like they was best friends. But God didn't like that. So we're going to jump down to verse 42 and verse 43. And we're going to see y'all's response to that, to that act of kindness, that mercy. Verse 42, and he said unto him, Thus saith Yahuwah, because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man whom I have appointed to utter destruction, therefore thy life shall go for his life, and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house, heavy and displeased, and came unto Samaria. So you see, Yah don't want you to be kind to his enemies. Sometimes Yah uses us to do away with his enemies. You know, so know who's who. Many of us live our lives like this swine sitting here. You know, many of us live our lives un just as unclean as this guy right here. You know, he done had his drink. He done passed out. You know, got his gun on his side. You know he, you know he he's he's one of he's one of those in the world. He like wallowing in the mud. He like living unclean. You know he like going against the word of Elohim. You know on Sunday he probably in the church though, mm. or on some Saturdays he probably up in the church mm. praying all praises, saying all praises to the Most High. Mm. This is where we've come to today, folks. This is this is how we live. You know, this is where we are. You know, we have all this stuff in the word that tells us the will of the most high, but none of us wanted to save us. We don't want to live by it. We want to do what we want to do. And you expect y'all to just be all smiles and, and giggles about that? I'm not even happy about it. You know, so I know he's not happy about it. You know. When are we going to step our game up? When are we going to take it to the next level? We can't go no further until we get this thing right, until we start 
If we, how can we go to the next level if we won't step up to the next level, if we won't start adhering to his word to the next level? You know, people out here, they do what they do because it satisfies their flesh or it's just something that they want to do. But we're supposed to be the children of Elohim and we're supposed to do what we do because it's what Yah wants us to do. We have hundreds if not thousands of scriptures that tells us how we're supposed to go against our flesh, let alone, nevertheless, we continue to please our flesh. You know, we got to get this thing right. You know, time's running out. You know, Yah is not happy with us. You know, he wants us to, he want to take us further, but we can't go further if we don't do better. You know, it don't matter if um, we show up every week and then we leave and go live a high, a life, the life of a happy healer. That don't matter. When are we going to get this thing right? When are we going to start being serious about Yah, you know, and really walk this thing out? You know, stop, stop, you know, going through the motions. Yeah, I get it when you don't know no better, you know, and you're coming and you're learning. You know what I'm saying? But like many of you know, I know y'all know because y'all been up under me and I done told you. But yet still keep on doing the same thing week in and week out. There's no change. It's supposed to be change. Consider Psalms 119. Because if, if you're unclean like that, you got to get clean. And there's only one way you're going to get clean. Psalms 119.9 says, where we're far, shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. If the word say do it, just simply do it. It's not that hard. It really isn't. It's not that hard. He don't really ask us to do nothing that's super crazy. Ephesians 5, 25 through 7, husbands love your wives even as the Mashiach also loved the ecclesia and gave himself for it. He, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present to himself a glorious ecclesia and not have a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This is how we get clean, y'all, through the word. Not by reading it, but by living it. A lot of times we read this stuff, we just read right past it like, like it's nothing. Got my word in for the day, I'm good. No, you're not. You ain't doing it. You just read it. And you think that's good? That's cool? It's not. If we're going to go to the next level, then we're going to have to start doing this stuff. You know, y'all don't ask us to do much. He say, give him one day out of the week. One day. One week out of the year. Dwelling booths. Another week he asks, bro, you don't even got dwelling booths. All you got to do is show up. We're not serving a tyrant. That word is what's going to cleanse us. Many of us unclean. We have to allow the word to do its job. We have to wash ourselves with it. Yes. You know, 
everybody always talking about, you know, power, seeing your power, y'all. We want to see your power. We want to see your miracle signs and wonders. But don't nobody even want to walk right. Don't anybody, nobody even want to be clean. Don't want nobody want to be righteous. Y'all think it's without price. Ain't nothing free. Satan don't even give you nothing free. How is it free when y'all put down, he laid down his life? Talking about a free gift. No, it's not free. You got to do your part. You got to walk this thing out. Leviticus 20, 22 through 24 says, Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them in, in the land whether I bring you to dwell therein. Spew ye not out. And ye shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you. We still want to do everything the world want to do. The world want to dress up like ghosts and goblins. We want to dress up like ghosts and goblins talking about we're going to get my free candy when y'all done blessed you to have money in your pocket to go buy you some candy talking about it's just for fun it's not nothing fun about dressing up like the devil or the children of the, of the devil celebrating the time that glorifies Satan and still have nothing to call yourself y'all's people Come on, and we got it. We got it twisted. We got we got things all wrong. I'm telling you, you know. Verse 23 says, "For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them." If we do the same thing they do, if we look just like they look, he gonna abhor us too. How we gonna be calling ourselves holy, set apart, and we still doing everything everybody else doing? We dress the same way. We walk the same way. We talk the same way. We cut somebody out just as quick as the per next person. We ready to fight just as quick as the next person. We willing to hold grudges just as quick as the next person. What's making us any different? All you're doing is fooling yourself. You sure not fooling God. Verse 24. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land. I will give it unto you to possess it. A land that flows with milk and honey. I am Yahweh your Elohim, which have separated you from other people. Did you catch that? He has separated you from other people. Come out of her, my people. Be ye separate, and I will be your Elohim. That's what it's about. It's about separating ourselves from everybody else. It's about holiness has a look. Holiness sounds a certain way. Mm -hmm. It looks a certain way. It walks a certain way. It talks a certain way. Right, yeah. Holiness don't look like everything else. When you clean, you don't do it what everybody else do. You're not sitting up there talking about one little shrimp not gonna hurt. Yeah, it will. <laughs> the spiritual aspect of Leviticus 20, 22 through 24, I want you to think about it like this. It says, 
Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. That the land where I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. Now I want you to think about it on this, on it in this wise. I want you to think about it as if you father from above. If you're father from above, or if you become father from above, then you will inherit a land. You will inherit a land in which all these things are done, all these wicked things are done. This is the land. We all grew up in, in confusion. Then none of us grow up knowing what to do and being righteous. So we all inherit a land, and in this land was all kind of wickedness that was being done. Yes. And the one that's within us, that's father from above, has to has to um, fight with all these inclinations that this land is used to doing from its conception. Amen? You know, and so this is the battle that we have to go up against. This is what we have to overcome. You know, and just like y'all said, you know, you shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things, therefore I abhor them. If you don't want him to abhor your born-again man, then you can't do all the inclinations that your flesh wants you to do. He says, I am Yahuwah, your Elohim, which have separated you from other people. You're supposed to be different. You know, now with that in mind, consider John 3, 3 through 6. It says, Yahushua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. If you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. The whole brick Shah, the whole New Testament is about the kingdom of Elohim. Then if you're not born again, you can't even see. Then we have Nicodemus, which is whom he was speaking to. He said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yahushua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of Ruach, he cannot enter the kingdom of Elohim. Now we went from seeing the kingdom of Elohim to entering the kingdom of Elohim. Amen? Amen. You know, so now he said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Elohim. Then he tells us, you know, that you have to be born of water and of spirit to enter into the kingdom. So if you're born of water, you'll at least be able to see the kingdom. But you have to be born of water and of spirit to enter the kingdom. Now, water represents truth. And the truth is the word. John 17, 17, you know, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen? Yes. Okay, so this is why we see where it tells us to wash with the water of the word. So if we're born by that water, that water of the word, if we're born through water, then that means we're born by adhering to the truth. And if you do all these things that I've been telling you today, you will look like a whole different person to the people that know you. Because you will be a whole different person. You will be one that's born of the water. If you do everything that y'all tell you, and stop doing everything that the world do, you will truly be fathered from above. You will be born of the water. You will be born of the truth of the word of Elohim. And then you'll be able to see the kingdom of Elohim. Many of you can't see the kingdom of Elohim because you don't, you're not walking in the word. And then if you're born of the spirit, 
the Ruach, then you can enter in. But first, what proceeds from the Ruach is the water. The water is the truth. The truth is the righteousness. And this is what we have to be born of, first and foremost. And righteousness is going to, is, 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 is this flesh's number one enemy. If you remember yesterday, we talked about how the carnal mind was at enmity with Elohim. Mm -hmm. It's the number one enemy. It's public enemy number one. Mm -hmm. So if we want to go to the next level, we have to be father from above. If we want to be father from above, we have to walk in the word. If we walk in the word, then the water will wash away yeah. everything that is not of Elohim. And if that happens, then he will purify us with his Ruach. And that purification speaks to fire. And that fire speaks to fiery trials. Then you're going to be tested to see if you're going to be born of the spirit. But that testing is actually a blessing. That persecution is a blessing. That's when we rejoice. Which sounds crazy, I know, but we're not supposed to be like everybody else. You know, so, you know, verse six goes on to say, that which is born of flesh is flesh. We all done had this. We all been born of the flesh. Everybody sitting here is in the flesh. You know, that's what it's all about. We all been born of the flesh but we want to be born of the water. That is the word of Elohim, so that we'll be in a position to be born of the Ruach. Holy, holier, holy of holies. What kind of tabernacle you want to be? You know, that's all I have for you today. Pray with a blessing. Yeah.